Praise God. song says it all. There's nothing better than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our attention. We invite you into the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You say, well, how do we know we have access? The Bible tells me. We can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy to help us in our time of need. Any needs in the house today? None? No, no needs? You, you, no, you, no needs in the house? Well, stand with me, you needy people. You know what we need? We need the presence of God. We need the glory of God to descend upon this place to give him honor and praise today. Father, we come in the name that causes demons to run in fear. We come in the name that spoke everything that was created to be created. We come in the name that was given by which we must be saved. We shout out the name of Jesus today, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer, our Lord, our soon-coming King. We ask that you would receive our praise. Nudge us with the Holy Spirit if we're just singing songs. Prompt us to sing praise and to lift our hearts to you. Meet us today, Father, we pray. Meet us in our places of praise and prayer. As we study your word, let your word study us. And I pray, Father God, miracles will happen in this place today. We lift up the name of Jesus and pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. This may be a song that the captains can't yet sing. If we sing long enough, they might join in with us. And this may be a dance that's too heavy for those chains. If we dance long enough, will the prison will open up. This may be a shout. But if we shout long enough, the walls might find the wall. And they may need some help to lift their hands up in the air. No freedom's coming, so we'll sing it all the more. We'll sing, oh, oh, oh. In the hot song, we'll sing it all day long. Till the rest come running home. Oh, oh, oh. All the broken can you hear? We'll shout it out forever. Send those orphans home. 
Oh, let's raise some hallelujahs in the house. Anybody got a good hallelujah in you? Would you raise it up today? Praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise God. I know that yesterday was officially Veterans Day, but we didn't have church yesterday. We're having it today. And I'm going to, we want to honor our veterans, those who have served in times past or even some that may be serving now in reserves or in military. We are a privileged people to live in a land that gives us right of free assembly to gather. We're still in a land where we can come and worship God together. And our military, those who have gone to foreign shores and even our borders to protect that right, we want to honor them today. The Royal Rangers Ministry wants to bring a special honor to you. I'm going to ask for all those who served in our military to stand to your feet. And the Rangers Ministry has purchased veterans tokens for you and they will come at this time and serve all of our military mom boys You don't have to go to the same one. <laughs> There's a whole bunch back there, fellas. Back there. Somebody help my boys. We got to get over there. We got to get over there. Uh, Somebody help the boys. Somebody help them. We have one down front that forgot to stand up. Right there. Is there anyone who has not been served? Huh? They got them all? Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for your service. You may be seated. Welcome everyone here. Those who are also joining us on the live stream. Welcome home to Trinity today. We're happy to have you with us and each one here gathered in this place. 
I'm going to ask for uh, one of our board members, for Mark Williams, to come forward. If you happen to be one of our special guests today, you've just come in for the service, you've not been here before, or filled out one of our guest cards, uh, Mark is going to walk up and down the, the aisle, and if you would just simply raise your hand, he will serve you with one of these uh, VIP cards. We'd like for you to fill it out, drop it in the offering plate later on in the service, and so we have a reference of your visit with us today. Can I get a round of applause? You were really good at applauding before. All of our guests, welcome home. Welcome home to Trinity. When you want them to clap, they won't. When you... <laughs> My goodness gracious. Welcome home. <laughs> we want to remind you of some of the upcoming things that are on our horizon here at Trinity. First of all, we want to once again thank all of our volunteers. Uh, we had a great banquet the other night. I trust you enjoyed yourselves. And uh, Okay, now you've gone and done it. You, you, you made my watch come off. I, I'm, there we go. Okay. We had a great time, and if you did not, if you're one of our volunteers who has served in any capacity, be sure and see Linda. If you were not at the banquet the other night, uh, she has a, a gift for you. Uh, could we have some models stand up with the T-shirt, the uh, ministry T-shirts? <clears throat> Praise God. remind you of our discipleship times on Wednesday. Uh, if you're missing out on our Bible studies on the 10 a.m. Uh, Wednesday mornings, we have a great time of studying God's Word, and we, we are going through the Bible book by book and looking at principles of prayer. We all need to know how to pray and to pray, and we look each month at a different book, each week rather, at a different book of the Bible. And we are up to 1 Peter, all the way up there, and we're going to be studying that this coming Wednesday morning at 10. Join us. I'll have the coffee pot on, and sometimes we have goodie bringers and sometimes we don't, but uh, we, we'd like for you to come out and join us. Also, this coming week is the REACH conference, I understand. Uh, the youth are going to be going. <clears throat> and be blessed by that and <laughs> you just guys I hope you clap this much during the worship time I you know, even throw in one when I'm preaching that would be good too <laughs> let me know I'm moving in the right direction 
but we want to pray blessing over our youth and their leaders that are going to the REACH conference. Uh, many things are coming up. I could, we could use some assistance. Uh, next week is our outreach, our food outreach here in the, in the community. Friday we have the food delivered and we box it up. That is a royal we. Uh, it's me and whoever else shows up, that kind of we. We could use your help because many of our helpers are going to be at the conference. Then on Saturday morning, we distribute the food. We have people that this is a thing that they're dependent upon in our community, and it's an opportunity for us to pray with folk and to bless them in Jesus' name. And you can be a part of that. So we need your help on Friday and Saturday morning and to help make this happen. We're going to do it, whether you're here or not, but it sure would be a whole lot easier if you were here to help me out with it. I'd appreciate it. Also coming up next Sunday is our opportunity to minister at the West Park uh, Retirement Center, and we'll be going there, and I could you really use some help if you would assist me at that time. We have some of our regular staff uh, going to be out of town, and I need some assistance going there. And I appreciate your ongoing prayers. I'm getting a voice back a little at a time. And uh, I thank you for your prayers. And we'll continue to pray this next week that I have one for all day Sunday. We're going to be having an outreach ministry that starts here at the church to the homeless and those in need in the area. And Bill is heading that up. Pastor Bill is heading that up. And if you have questions about it, there's information in the bulletin. But also you can see Bill or Lena and find out about that ministry to reach those that are hurting in our community. Another outreach is coming up, and we're letting you in on this now because it's just a few weeks away. Hard to believe, but just a few weeks away. December 1st. We want to be involved in a community outreach in the Grove City area. We're going to be a part of the Grove City Christmas Parade. We need volunteers. We'll be having a sign-up, and we'll get you all outfitted in biblical costume. We'll be leading the church van that'll be all decorated up. We'll have the Mary and the Joseph. We'll have the wise men. We'll have all kinds of... We'll have a soldier... We'll have all kinds of biblical characters, but we'll have a banner that says the real reason for the season. We're going to be passing out. We're going to, <laughs> we're, we're going to be passing out. We're going to be passing out candy, but also flyers about the ministries of the church, that we want to be an influence during the Christmas season to put Christ back in Christmas. And we need your help. We need you to suit up. You say, well, I don't know about marching in that. Well, we even have some seats on the bus, on the van, that you can wave through the windows and, and uh, things such as that. I'm going to be on the van. But... Uh, it, it's preferable to where I've been in past parades. We did this a couple times up in Bell Fountain, 
and I was the man with the pooper stooper following the donkey on the parade route. Yes, business, business was picking up. Sometimes serving God really stinks. <laughs> it really, really does. But we want you to be involved, and if uh, you can be with us, we're going to have some that will be in the Bible costumes, others in our Trinity wear, uh, just proclaiming the reality. There's something special about this season, and it's not the other things. It's about Jesus Christ. He gets forgotten a lot this time of year. Would you consider being a part of a visual witness to the community, putting Christ back in Christmas? Consider it. Amen? Amen. We'll give you more details in the future. <laughs> well, that's about it. I, you know... <laughs> Wednesday evening, we have classes and ministries for all ages, and uh, uh, they're worthy of a clap, but please don't. There's all kinds of upcoming things in your bulletins for you to peruse through. We're so happy to have all of you here today, and some of us are here, but we're not all there. And uh, speaking of which, uh, Jim's back. Jim and Mary Lou are back from Florida. And our motto around here is we're all here because we're not all there. Let's continue on right now in worshiping the Lord with our tithes and our offerings that the ushers would gather. We're going to give a blessing offering to the Lord. The tithe, that 10 percent that already belongs to him, whether you give it or not, it's his. And our offerings of love. We're looking at missions this month, that we support missions around the world to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to be talking to you about that in just a little bit. Would you pray with me, please? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the opportunity of praise through our giving. Every dime, every dollar, every check, every envelope, is a praise to you. We want others to know the joy of sins forgiven, the joy of being filled with your spirit, the joy of having our lives turned around with heaven as our home. We ask, Father God, you to bless both gift and giver. Use it for the furtherance of your kingdom and your glory till Jesus comes again. Amen.
seated. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, hand clappers. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Kids are going to work on the Christmas musical. Looking forward to it. From the very founding of this local Assembly of God church back in the 30s, 
Missions has been a part, a big part. And after moving to this location in the early 60s, missions has continued to be a big part. There were some years when the church went through some financial struggles. The temptation was there to ease up on the missions giving. But the church, the board decided, no, that's a commitment to the furtherance of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And they kept up every commitment that was ever made to missions, both home and foreign. During this month, we remind you that we're a missions church, that we, we want to reach people around the world and here locally with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there's only one way to get to heaven. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Can you lift up the name of Jesus with me today? And so during the month of November, we like to highlight our missions. We have a special offering each second Sunday of every month of the year. But we bring out the flags and remind you that as we give to missions, we're giving towards eternal life for those who find Jesus, no matter where they may be. Over the course of the month, I'll be sharing some stories of some of our missionaries and some of the things that are happening on foreign fields. And it's all because of the faithfulness of God's people. You say, well, we're just a small church. What can we do? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But you, would you join with me right now in praying for our missionaries around the globe? It's the next day over there and they're facing challenges. People that need Jesus. People in dire situations and circumstances. Could you join with me right now in lifting up prayer for our missionaries that are telling others about Jesus around the world? Dear Lord, mighty God, amen, amen. You know, I've been at this a few, few years, and I've read these portions of Scripture many, many, many times. It's always such a blessing when the Holy Spirit points out something that I had not considered before. And there are many. <laughs> Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word today? Turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 17 through 20. <clears throat> it's been called the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. But on the surface, I call it impossible. 
Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority, all power, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Father, help this word to come alive to us today. I pray in Jesus' name, the living word. Amen. Amen. Please keep your Bibles open to this portion of God's word. God bless you. <clears throat> We're at the end of the Gospels, at the beginning of the book of Acts. What has transpired this far, thus far, is this. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to take on human form as Jesus. He was in the beginning, one with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but he humbled himself and took on the form of humanity. He came to this planet and from the very first the forces of darkness tried to destroy and kill him. He lived a sinless life by the power of the Holy Spirit because his bloodline is heavenly not earthly. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners and we all need a Savior. When Jesus came, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cleansed those with the plague of leprosy. He taught the world, the word of God, to multitudes. He rightly divided the word of truth. And they said, we've never heard it like this before. That's because God was teaching them his word. <clears throat> the same Jesus walked on water. This same Jesus calmed storms. This same Jesus opened blind eyes and unstopped the deaf ear. This same Jesus made the paralytic run and leap for joy. After three years... He had so offended those in power, they thought that they were putting him to death. <laughs> and yes, he did die. He went to a cross, not for anything he had committed, but he bore the sins of the whole world, your sins and mine, to the cross. He paid the ultimate price of dying for your sins and for mine, He went to a borrowed tomb, but it was 
only borrowed because he didn't need it very long. Three days later, he came out and he walked with those who followed him for 40 days. He went throughout the regions and crowds followed him, up to 500 it said at one point. But then he went to the top of a hill and he gave these parting words his commission to those who were standing there. And it, I know it, you, you saw this many times. I'm just a little slower than you are. I'm glad there was no amen there, but, but uh, there was probably about 120 people standing there because that's how many went back to the upper room, right? Say right. And he speaks to a crowd about the size that I'm speaking to today. And look what he tells them to do. Consider that you are standing on the slopes of a hill. And Jesus, the Son of God, the resurrected Christ, is talking to you that day. 120 or so gathered here. And this is what he tells them to do. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news gospel to everybody. Anybody overwhelmed yet? How many of you have never been out of the U.S.? How many of you have kind of hung out in Ohio for a long time? He's talking to people who have never been outside of the borders of Israel. Just 120 or so of them. And he is giving them this commission, this order. Go into all the world and preach. How many would raise your hand and say, I, I, not, I, I can't, I, I, preaching not my thing and preach the gospel to every person on the planet. Discipling those, training those who receive it in how to live according to the precepts of God's Word. An impossible. How many of you would say, well, I'll, just go, I'll go get started on that right now. Jesus just told me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I, I better get started. Can you imagine the shocked expression on 120 people now, he told them, now, don't leave yet. Go back and get the Holy Spirit's power before you go. And they went back to an upper room and waited on that to arrive. But you know what? 
If I was one of that 120, I would be a little overwhelmed. Anybody overwhelmed by the immensity of what he told 120 people to accomplish? I was trying to think of a decent illustration. And you know me, I don't have any really great illustrations, but consider an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Let, let's just take the floor space of the sanctuary here and imagine that it's a pool. It's six feet deep all around. And I'm going to tell each one of you to get a teaspoon. And I want you to empty every drop out of that swimming pool. Just you, 119 of your friends. How many of you think that might be just a little bit impossible? I get frustrated emptying baby pools. I, I, I get uh, upset when the sink doesn't drain properly. But imagine this room filled with water six feet tall, the entire area covered with water, and all you have is one tiny teaspoon and it's your job to empty the pool however long it takes. My second thought would be, after the impossibility of it, is I can't possibly live that long to empty this pool. Can I get a witness? Impossible. Most of the people there gathered that day have not been outside the confines of Israel. They've not traveled to foreign countries. We have no record of it to that point. They speak Hebrew, some Aramaic, and some Greek. But they don't know the rest of the languages of this planet that they're on. Impossible. No <laughs> earthly way for this 120 to accomplish that command. That brings me to the title of this morning's message. Two little words that change everything. I find those in Matthew chapter 19. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You're my 120 today, okay? You're my 120 who have heard the command of Jesus 
and it overwhelms and baffles you of what you can do. But the first thing you need to do is follow Jesus' next commands. Don't try to leave and do anything until you've got the power from on high of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, do, do I have to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? No, you get to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is that required? No, it's a blessing. Is, that, is it important? Ask Jesus. He's the one that said, don't leave home without it. They went back to an upper room. And they had done absolutely nothing to follow his command except his initial command. Wait on the promise of the Father that I've been telling you about for these three years. He said, you know, John baptized with water. But you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He didn't tell them when. He just said it was going to become available to them the task was just as impossible on the ninth day in the upper room ten days they'd been up there they'd walked with Jesus for 40 days and then he ascended up into heaven and, and two men stood by you remember what they said this same Jesus he's coming back to check on you he's coming back in clouds for his own He's given your assignments, what you 120 people are to do. Huh? He says, but don't leave home without the full power of the Holy Spirit. And nine days later, they're in the upper room, and they are no closer to realizing anything being done on Jesus' last command to them before he left. Are there any procrastinators here? Any, any, any people that... Your famous words is, now when exactly do I have to have that in? <laughs> do words like grace period spring to mind? When you think about bills that are due. Well, I've still got 10 more days. There's a grace period in there. I don't know if procrastination came. No, they were focused that they weren't to do anything until they had the provision for what God had provided through Jesus, the fullness of his spirit. But in nine days, they had the same mission with the same ability and it was the same 120 people gathered in the same place they'd done some some business they had elected a new disciple to fill the the place of Judas they had prayed they'd sought the Lord they didn't even know what they were looking for but they sure knew when it came and their very first act was to leave where they were with the power of the Holy Spirit and go up to a gathering on the Temple Mount. 
What Jesus told that 120, and that's you today, okay? How many of you are willing to be a part of the 120 today? Okay. He has just told you, you personally, you're to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that God has commanded you, and I'm going to be with you in this. How many of you think you're up to the task to leave today and do what Jesus told you to do? I, I trust I don't see a hand because if you your hand raised at that point, you're nuttier than a fruitcake. Or fruity, fruitier than a nutcake. I don't know which it is. Folks, it's an impossible task that Jesus has assigned those 120. You have an impossible job to do. You've ever been in a position where you were assigned something and you looked at it and you realized, ain't no way I can do this. That's the position they were in. They simply followed Jesus' prescription of what they were to do first. With men, it's impossible. Could I get a witness? With you, with me, I'm a part of the 122 also. It's impossible. There's no way. It's like that pool with a teaspoon process. There's not enough life in my lifetime to get that job done. But they focused on his promise of the empowerment of the Father to accomplishment, accomplish it. Before we look at how this ultimately is being accomplished today, I want to explore what Jesus said right before he gave them that impossible command. No way. In verse 18, he said, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How many of you are King Jamesers? I, I, I learned everything in the King James, and I still wind up halfway through a verse doing King Jamesese when I'm in another translation and I get strange looks when I do so. But in the King James, it's translated all power. I mean, it's, it's a good word, and it means power, a different kind of power. It's exousia. It means authority to do something. You may have the ability to do something, but do you have the authority to do something? You know, well, can I, can I go after that, that criminal and break down his door? Yes, I can. But do I have the authority to break down his door? I do not. If I show up with a warrant and they refuse entry, I can kick down the door. Well, that's a, that's a mythical ability of mine. But, but the, the police officer can kick down the door 
And he says, well, you, you can't do that. He says, I just did that. He had the power, the force to do it, but he then had the authority to do it. That's another kind of power. And the word there is power that is rested in authority. Let me try to give you another bad illustration. I'm good at bad illustrations. Let's say uh, you're driving a car at 55 miles an hour where it's appropriate. And you're driving down 55 miles an hour and you see a little tiny crossing up in, in advance of you and you're going 55 miles an hour. What kind of power would it take to stop your car from going one inch further? A dump truck in front of you? How about a brick wall being built? How about an RPG, a rocket-propelled grenade? Could pretty well do it for you. Your car would stop. But it would be destroyed. Destructive power or power that impacts is not what it's talking about here. But let's say you're driving 55 miles an hour and you look up ahead and you see an 80-year-old little grandma walking in a crosswalk. <laughs> Where the stop sign? Taking little children across the street in a school crossing. What it would have taken a rocket-pelled grenade or a brick wall or a dump truck or a missile or anti-tank weaponry to stop your car when a little 80-year-old woman holds up a plastic sign, you stop. That's exousia. That's authority. There is authority behind that little, feeble, toothless woman to stop a speeding car. It's not because she's gone out there and stood in there and donned superhuman clothing and just beat that car into submission. You didn't stop because of her dunamis power. You would stop because of the authority behind a little cardboard sign held up by a weak, emaciated, toothless grandma. You say, well, that grandma couldn't stop a car. She just did. But it was nothing about grandma that stopped the car. There was nothing about grandma that made them put on the brake. There was nothing about grandma that caused them to put the, the brakes on and squeal the tires and bring it to a halt. There was something about 
other than grandma, that grandma held up a sign that represented the authority behind her. They didn't stop because of grandma. They stopped because of the authority that she had. Jesus says to us, that's 120. How many are still on board? You're still part of the 120 with me. How many of you are just about as weak as the old 80-year-old grandma? <laughs> well, Pastor, I can't go to all the world and preach the gospel. I have trouble making it through the dining room on my way to the front door when the doorbell rings. I just don't have the strength. I mean, anybody here got, don't have the strength you used to have? It's not about that kind of power. It's not about the grandmas and the grandpas. It's about the authority, the exousia that's behind us. And Jesus says, guess what? He's got it. Hallelujah. He's got it. He's got that authority. He is the power. Could he blow up that car if he wanted to? Yes, but he just wants to stop it. And things stop and things change and things are altered because of the authority of Jesus Christ. Now look what he says here. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he says, therefore, based upon this fact, this reality, that he is the one who has all the authority to put a stop to this and a move to that and a create to this, he has all of that authority. Based upon that authority of Jesus, he says to us, still with the 120? He says to each and every one of us, we may be weak, we may be frail, we may be feeble, we may not be weak, we may have a little bit of strength, but we look at the task in front that he is describing and we say, Ain't no way. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And based upon that, I am telling you, 120, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and making disciples of them, teaching them, what I've told you, and I'm going to be with you. The one with the authority is going with the ones who are going under command. He's going to be right with us. It makes all the difference. You see, with God, all things are possible. Without him, eh, we got nothing.
We can have plans and programs and strategies of how we're going to accomplish this, that, and the other. I don't want to get into it, but several months ago, there was a plan out. We were going to just evangelize the entire west side of Columbus. Lots of money was thrown into it. And people did come, but it was a man's kind of plan. And results, eh, not so much. As a matter of fact, we had more people saved at our drive-through food distribution than were saved in the massive block party. Huh. It's not about the earthly power. It's impossible. You can have plans and strategies. That's all fine and good. But without God, it's not possible. But with him, it is. With God, all things are possible. Even a command to 120 folks like you and like me. How many of you, as I've recruited you into the 120, have already thought of good excuses why you can't? Yeah, pretty, pretty tired. Yeah. Now, of this 120, we don't know the names of everyone who heard his command. We know that Peter heard it, and John and James and Jesus' mother was there, and we, we find other people that were a part of that 120 that heard this great commission, this mission impossible this no way mission that Jesus has given us. The rest of the disciples heard it. But history tells us that none of them traveled further than Rome. Not to Europe. Not to China. Certainly not to America. And I, I said, boy, did Jesus miss the boat when he gave us this 120, this assignment? No. Here's the thing that the Lord showed me the other day. The assignment hasn't changed. He still has all authority, and he still goes with those who go the people may have changed but the mission is still on and the same authority the same exousia the same authority of Jesus in heaven and in earth goes with those who are following his commission and his command this very day now let's look for a moment at that group of 120 that just look around at each other, say, I don't think they can do it. Could you look around and just point at somebody and say, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, we got some people in wheelchairs, some people in walkers, we got some people with canes, we got, ain't no way, right? We got some people that, that just a little bit ago, I helped somebody up from their seat and they thanked me because they couldn't make it up on their own. 
you know. We're an unlikely 120, aren't we? But let's look at that 120. They went back to an upper room that they once had boarded themselves into for fear of the Jews. But they weren't afraid anymore because they'd been walking with the resurrected Christ. They were filled with the power of God, of his Holy Spirit. And they burst out of that room and invaded the Temple Mount. Now, we've talked before about this on the day of Pentecost, but I want you to envision. It's just us, okay? It's just us. We're the 120. Remember that, okay? How many remember you're part of the 120? Okay. It's just us. Folks, it's just us. There's nobody else. Nobody's coming in on buses or planes to help us. We've received the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's just us. And they burst out of that. Can you see yourself leaving through the doors and saying, I'm going to head over to the, the plaza over there, over to the, the parking lot? And there's just 120 of us. But you know what was up on the plaza? What was up on the Temple Mount? 50 or 60,000 Jews from all over the known world at that time. They came from Rome and they came from here and there and Bithynia and Cappadocia and all those words that you don't, we, we try not to pronounce very often. Bithynia and whatever. They were from all over the world and there's just 120 of us. Just uh, look around again. Look at the part of the 120 you're seated next to. Does it look likely like you're going to have an impact on it? Like walking from here and going into Ohio Stadium, okay? The crowd is all around. They're loud and they're cheering. You say, well, Pastor, there's just 120 of us. We cannot make enough noise to go over top of all of these 100,000 people. We can't do it. How many of you have been to an OSU game in person? A little loud? A little loud? Louder than you? And we're, we're the only ones going there, okay? Everybody else is there for another reason. <laughs> They're not there for the same reason we are. And we're walking into that crowd with just us. What's the loudest shout you can give? Can I have it, please? Oh, that was good. Give me your, your loudest shout that would not. Folks, that's nothing to the sound of an OSU game, let alone a bunch of Jews worshiping on top of the Temple Mount with trumpets and cymbals and drums and all the noise of a marching band. We couldn't out-scream them. There's just us. Look around. Look at the people that are going into the, the stadium, okay? Look around. We're not up for it. If it was just 120 of us going into the stadium, they're not going to even take notice of us, even if we're wearing the same T-shirts. <laughs> but we're not going in alone. 
Do you hear me, church? We're not going in alone. We're that hundred twenty. We're not going in alone. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. And we're walking in, and they're shouting and cheering, and the band's playing, and the cymbals are crashing and everything else. But something happened in such a way that an anointing of the anointer came upon this 120. And, and picture this. This huge stadium packed full of cheering fans and they're raising the band and they're, they're singing and they're shouting and they're cheering and all of a sudden there's a stillness and a quietness that comes over the stands when 120 little people like you and like me anointed by the power of Almighty God begin to speak the praises and the glories of our God under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And it said they all stopped their shouting and they stopped their cheering and they said, what does this mean? Because I see them, they're all in the same t-shirts. They're from Galilee. They're from Galilee Assembly. But we all hear the message in the language of our hometown. Wow. Imagine, what does it take to Quiet down a crowd like that. It takes Jesus walking in. There's 121 in the stadium. Walking in. And Jesus made the difference. Without a PA system, without electronics, without a big scoreboard signage, Simon Peter stands up and said, You men of Judea and all that are gathered here, be it known this day, Jesus was anointing him, the 121st person. Silenced the crowd, anointed the message. Oh, and then I started thinking about it a little bit more. Every time I read that scripture and I talk about all the places these people came from, <clears throat> kind of gets on my nerves because I can't pronounce most of them. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, <laughs> the multitude came together and were confused because everyone, listen to this, heard them speak in their own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and, oh, Cappadocians and... Uh, I began to look at it. I got out my map. You know who was there? There were Jews there all the way from Italy and the Roman Empire. There were Jews from Greece. There were Jews from northern and central Africa. 
There were Jews from the Baltic states that we call Rome and the Slavic nations today. There were Jews from modern-day Turkey. There were Jews from Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, Qatar, and the Emirates. And they all heard them in that huge crowd. Just you anointed making some sound under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. With you, our group, we couldn't have silenced that crowd. We couldn't have got a message across, but we're not doing it in ourselves, are we? With God, all things are possible. And that massive crowd heard 120 hill people, hillbillies from Galilee, speaking in languages they'd never learned I know some people, you have problems with speaking in other tongues. Well, tell it to Jesus. He's the one who did it. He's the baptizer, amen? So I don't need that. How many of you think the 120 needed it that day? Huh? Huh? We all hear them speak the glories of our God. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is is Messiah with men it is impossible but nothing is impossible with God with God all things are possible those two words with God changes everything in the dynamic of his command and it didn't stop there you see that day they did part of what Jesus already told them to do. Go into all the world. Well, good news, the world came to them, didn't it? Jesus didn't fill them in on that little bit. It was a surprise to them as much as anybody else, but he brought the world to them. And then we find by reading the scriptures, when Peter is anointed of God, to reach out to the people that were saved on the day of Pentecost. He writes letters to them instructing them in how to be a Christian in the nation that they're in right then. But he didn't stop there. Not just with the 3,000 were saved that day. 3,000, that's a good start. But it's not the whole world now, is it? But it's an excellent start. How many of you thought that just 120 of us getting together, anointed by the Holy Spirit, could make that kind of impact. But we're not 120, we're 121 because Jesus said, I'm going to be with you in this thing. And all authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Be based on that, therefore go and you tell the gospel story. I'm going to be with you in every step. But it didn't stop there, not with just those 3,000. Most Bible scholars that I've read believe that one of those people saved on that day was a young man by the name of Stephen. 
They believe that Stephen was one of those. We have no record that he was saved before, but we have a record that he, right after that, we have the story of Stephen. And Stephen gave his heart, gave his heart to Jesus Christ, was filled with the Holy Ghost, and started to, what, hey, Peter, James, John, what can I do to help out this work of Jesus Christ, the Messiah? He says, well, you know, we got a need right now. We need somebody to wait on the tables of the widows and the orphans. Consider it done. No job is too small for somebody who's following the command of Jesus Christ. Don't always be looking for the big job. Just be willing to serve him. And so Stephen started doing that. But he, he not only gave them a meal, but he preached a message to them. That's what they're going to be doing in the Trinity Outreach Ministry. They're going to be feeding them, but they're going to be feeding them the bread of life too. And as he's doing that, he began to pray for people. People were getting healed. People were being set free from sickness and disease. And people were getting excited about it, and they started telling somebody, and they told the wrong people. Because the Sanhedrin was all upset about it. He's talking about the name of Jesus. We've got to stop this. And so they brought him in. He said, we'll put a stop to this. He said, hey, what do you have to say for yourself? And he said, well, I have nothing to say for me, but I want to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> he wasn't even one in the upper room. He was a, kind of a child or a grandchild of those who had been in the upper room. That 120, that's just you. But they, he'd gotten the message, and he was saved, and now he was telling people about Jesus. They took him out, and they wanted to stone him to death. And they left coats in the arms of a young man named Saul from Tarsus. Another country, as a matter of fact, a Roman citizen, matter of fact. Ultimately, a persecutor of the followers of Jesus Christ, but that's not the end of the story either, is it? Jesus personally met up with that Saul on the Damascus Road as he's going to another country to tear down the message of Christ, and he winds up going to Syria and preaching Jesus to the people there. And then around the known world at that time. Look at all the places he stopped. And every place he stopped, he told the story of Jesus Christ. It all started with you, 120 folks. You know that? If you hadn't been filled with the Spirit, if you hadn't gone up to the upper, the upper room, if you hadn't gone to the Temple Mount, if there hadn't been an outpouring that day, if the crowds were not impacted, if Stephen wasn't saved, if Paul had not been there at the execution. God even takes an execution of a righteous man and turns it around to bring about the expression of the gospel being taken to the far reaches of the world. Well, how about Philip? Philip goes out. He's a part of that great move of God in Jerusalem, and they, they started putting the pressure. And so they said, well, we better leave town. They're going to kill us. We might as well take this gospel someplace else. So they left the nation of Israel, and they went to the area of Samaria. Oh, 
hostile field for Jews. But he was going there not in his own authority. He was going under the authority of Jesus Christ who sent him. A great move of God happened there. People were saved and healed and, and they, were, they were touched and demons were evicted. Peter and John went up from Jerusalem, laid hands on them. They received the, the Holy Ghost. And about that time, the Holy Spirit taps Philip on the shoulder and says, I got somebody else I need to chat with you about. He says, uh, I want you to go to Gaza. Heard that in the news? I'm taking you to the other side of the country. And I'm taking you to the strip, the Gaza Strip. And he didn't tell him why, but he went willingly because he was just like this 120, willing to go where God told us to go. And he went out there and he found a guy from Ethiopia who was reading the scrolls. He was a Jew, but he didn't know Jesus yet. But at the end of the conversation, he met Jesus out of Isaiah chapter 53. And he was baptized in water. And the, we're told by historians that that fellow went back to Ethiopia and he led the queen to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And when missionaries went there, they found a church. You see, the authority of Jesus continues with the mission. It doesn't die with the messenger. Mm. From 120 Jews in Israel to Asia, Europe, Australia, South America, America, everywhere in between, people called by God to go in the authority of that mandate from Jesus and spread the gospel around the world. And the same, he has not lost one bit of his authority today. You say, well, I've lost a little bit of my strength. Well, good thing you're not Jesus, huh? He has the same authority that he sent them out that day. He's sending people out today. The mission remains the same. The faces of the missionaries are different. But the anointing, the authority is the same. All authority in heaven and earth is given unto Jesus. And Jesus is promised when we go out in his name, he goes right with us. With God, all things are possible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. With man, it's impossible. With God, all bets are off. You see, it's still going on. The mission and mandate has not changed. You say, well, I'm tired. I'm part of that 120, and I look at all that was accomplished on that one day of Pentecost, and wow. Aren't you glad you get to pass the baton to somebody else? Throughout the history of this local church, we have sent people out and, em and empowered them by finances and by prayer. We're helping them by providing housing for them when they're 
back in the States raising funds to go back. I just talked to a couple of our missionaries this past week, and they're so excited about coming back to spend time here. They look forward to it. They thank you for your support and your prayers. We are, we're that 120 that is still having an impact on the world for Jesus Christ today. Some of you are tired of hearing this story, but it's a fresh story to me. I'm going to tell it again. Years ago, it was my privilege to be the pastor at First Assembly of God in Massillon, Ohio. I had a great congregation there. God was, gave us favor there. and We were able to, ultimately, th that church became kind of the, the church of that city. We had people coming from all different denominations and receiving Christ, being filled with the Spirit, and impacting the community. I had some great people that were there before I got there, and one of them, her name was Donna, and her mom, Ruth. They were faithful, stable believers there at First Assembly. Donna played the piano or the organ, uh, depending on what was needed. Her daughter, Rhonda, played the piano or organ, depending on what was needed. Ruth, she taught the adult Sunday school class. Godly women. Now, they had a little boy born. He's just a little, ornery little kid when I was there, when I first got there. But he grew into a fine young man. He received Jesus Christ as his Savior. And before I left Massillon, it was my privilege to oversee his, his wedding, Kevin. And just a few months ago, I received word, Dear Pastor Keene, you don't know me, but you were my father's pastor in Massillon, Ohio. And my grandma and great-grandma never got to meet her. And God has called us to be missionaries in places that we're not allowed to be called missionaries. We have to go in with other jobs and secretly, behind closed doors, tell people about Jesus. We could be killed we could be kicked out of the country, but God has called us to go to some of the cultures in a 99.9% Muslim, Christian-hating country. And when I, I heard that, I just wept. I've never been to any of those places. But God allows us to be a part of the mission going on. I met with them and talked with them a little bit, and they said while they're itinerating, they don't need the apartment here because they're staying in their grandmother's old apartment in Kevin's house as they prepare to go on the, on the field. Uzbekistan and his wife told me the grandson of 
of Donna told me. We were staying in her apartment. She's since passed to go on to be with the Lord. Great, great lady of faith. Oh, I miss Donna. And she says, I found her Bible. And I found in the dedication page where she had written that she was praying for her grandchildren to know Christ and to be followers of Jesus Christ. And she says, an answer to prayer is right here. We're the grandchildren. We're going to serve Jesus on a foreign field. The authority still exists today. The faces change, but the authority, Jesus walking with those who go out to share the good news of Jesus on the other sides of the world and here in our country and wherever the gospel is taken. I realize many of our young people are upstairs today working with the musical but their parents and their grandparents are here in this room I need some Donnas today that will start praying for our young people for the call of God on some of their lives to serve Jesus Christ wherever he may call them can I see some hands of people? You're going to put some of these kids on your prayer list. Go up to them and let them know you're praying for them. Praying that they will know God. Many of them already do. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I saw them witness on the youth missions trip. I saw them praying for people out in the, in the workday places. But Jesus was with them. Jesus was with them. But they need prayer support. We live in a time where people are trying to crush this. They want to stop the authority of Jesus from reaching others with the message of Jesus Christ. But Jesus still says to this day that he said to the 120 2,000 years ago, get this, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth and with that I'm sending you and I'm going to be with you we need to pray for our young people we need to pray for our, our children I'm, I'm totally thrilled we have young people here in our church that were they were wayward from the Lord but now they're they're seeking to follow his lead in their life. Hallelujah. So first of all, I need some prayer commitments for our young people and our children. You say, but pastor, you don't know. Sometimes they aggravate me. Well, sometimes you aggravate God. Get over it. The source of authority has not changed. The faces have changed on those who are being sent and called. 
I'm going to ask you to stand right now. My invitation is very simple today. First and foremost, always, I want to let people know that you too can find Jesus Christ as your Savior today. Your sins can be washed away today, right now, totally, completely. Your name can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life today, right now, without exception. You can have eternal life imparted to you right now, today. You can have the Lord, Almighty God, in your heart. You can be filled with His Spirit. Ask Him. Ask Him. First and foremost, if there's anybody here that wants to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today, I need my deacons up front. You come, come to one of the deacons and you say, I want to receive Jesus today. And they'll pray with you. Believe God with you for your salvation. Secondly, I need people to come with a prayer commitment. Not just a mamby, pamby, oh God bless our children, our young people. Well, that's nice. Pray with some authority behind them. Pray that God will get a hold of their lives so the devil doesn't get a hold of their lives. That's what he's after. That's what he wants. A human soul, an eternal soul is such a high priority that the devil will pull out all the stops to try and pull it to hell. But could we pull out all the stops and say, I want him to know Jesus. Would you come with a fresh recommitment, a rededication? Say, well, Pastor, I got a problem. I don't know their names. Shame on you. <coughs> Make that a thing of the past. You, you walk up to some of the kids and you say, what's your name? I want to pray for you. Can that be all right with you? Come and find a place of prayer today.